0: What's up y'all? Kyle here. Um just want to jump on before this podcast with uh with Bonnie razzler and just say a huge thank you to everyone who's been listening, who listens, who shared, you know, follows us on Instagram. We're approaching the 16,000 download mark on our podcast, which is crazy cuz primarily 15,000 of them have all been this year and it's been such a blessing for us to be able to share our stories and share the stories of educators out with everybody. So, um just really felt the need to to show some gratitude i i we try to do it the best we can but we're we're honored that you're with us on this journey and thank you so much for listening here's the episode welcome back to the led project podcast my name is kyle krieger um wilkie is at a training today for uh gt because he's going back into the classroom but i am so thrilled to have bonnie razzler on the podcast bonnie how are you
1: Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you. How are
0: you? I'm excellent. We were just talking a little bit ago. I'm I'm not super thrilled that I got to go to the dentist in like an hour and a half to get some uh, yeah. to get some fillings put in, but you know, otherwise things are good. It's the middle of July. I don't know how it went from being the start of June to the middle of July already, but
1: oh man, July is going so fast.
0: Yeah, my my summer's been crazy. I've had um, I've had. Two weddings in the last three weekends, and then the weekend in between it, I was in Las Vegas for the Teacher Hardout Conference, so my mm-hmm. my life has been crazy. I mean, it's of my own making. I can't help it that I've got friends who get married and um, an awesome conference to go to, but yeah, I feel like the, the summer has gone by so quickly.
1: I think we try to cram so much into this free time that we have, you know, kind yeah. of making up for the school year when we don't have that time, that then we do so much, it goes
0: so quickly. Yeah. And, and oftentimes you don't give yourself any real downtime leading, leading back to, um, you know, where you want to be. So like I said, I'm super thrilled for you to be on the podcast and, you know, we talked a little bit prior, but you know, what we really just want to do is, is do our part to make sure that the teacher voice is really getting out there and that, you know whether other teachers or the pub, you know the general public, starts to really understand the good things that are going on in all our classrooms. Absolutely. So, so we're we're excited to have you. And if if you could just to get us started, could you just tell us a little bit of your backstory and and how it is that you became a teacher?
1: Sure. Um, I'm currently a fourth grade teacher in Prince George's County, which is in Maryland. Um, I was not that kid that had everyone on the street playing school when they were growing up. I actually did not really like school. I had a few teachers that I liked, but um, school was not that interesting to me. I actually ended up dropping out to college. This is something I've just in the past few years started being comfortable sharing about myself, but I was actually a college dropout and was not happy with the minimum wage life. So had a couple of actually some other teachers that inspired me, ended up going back to school and i graduated in 2006 with double majors in elementary ed and psychology and then let's see in spring of 2017 i earned my masters degree masters of science in education focusing on technology integration in the classroom so i really focus on having a student centered classroom using technology and helping other teachers Kind of integrate technology into their classroom in a way that's comfortable for them because the way that I do things is not going to be the same way that works for everybody. Um, so I do a lot of, you know, like staff development. I do a couple conferences a year. And then I really, I really just love being in the classroom. I'm not quite ready to leave the classroom yet, but that's probably coming down
0: the pike. <laughs> right. And I, and I like what you said about, you know, technology integration because there's, you know, and, and we, kind of have this false pretense that you know people a little older can't use technology or don't want to and those stuff but I, I think there's definitely a comfort level with technology and finding you know what technology works whether it's you know I taught social studies so there's certain technologies that don't work in social studies and there are certain ones that do so I think it's really cool mm-hmm. that you're working with with the teachers so you know on 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 that vein, you know, what is, in your experience, the value of a, of a really great teacher?
1: Oh, I don't think we can put a value on it. There's, there's so much that we can impact, you know, immediately in, in, in a day we can really impact a student. You know, that kid that's coming in every day and maybe as a student like me that didn't like school. And I really tried to be the teacher that I needed when I was younger. So I try to make our classroom an exciting place, somewhere that my students want to come. And it's fun for me to see that transition over the fourth grade year. But I think about when I think about my impact as a teacher, I like to think like maybe I'm a pebble getting dropped in a puddle. And there are these ripples that are just rippling and rippling. And I don't know where the ripples are going to end or how far they're going to go. Um, because hopefully my impact stretches far, far into the future, as I think all of us that are in the classroom you know, we hope that we're, we're impacting students in a meaningful way, not just, you know, so they can pass a test or, you know, earn a grade or move on to the next grade, but that we're really making a meaningful change or changing the way that students think about learning to lead them to a more successful future.
0: Yeah, you know, and and we've asked this question to probably, I don't know, 20 people, and they all say some variation of the same thing, that it's, you know, immeasurable or invaluable or priceless. And it's so hard because, you know, Wilkie and I have been talking a lot about how do you reconcile the fact that I think most I think most Americans would say the value of a great teacher is priceless, yet our society puts such a low value on us as a profession. Like whether it's I feel like
1: that's changing though. Yeah. Um like when you when you look at how the general public views education and views teachers and I feel like I've seen a shift in the past few years. I think that teachers are becoming more vocal about what we do right. and how much we care about our students and what we'll do and sharing some of the conditions that we're working under. So I think that there's more of an understanding among the public, but we need that understanding to kind of float up, if you right. hear what I'm saying, right. so that yeah. people who can, who really have the power to make those changes understand that changes need to be made.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's and and that was kind of the point I was getting at is is how impressed I am with some of you know, the teachers, you know, had a, a chance to talk to a couple teachers from Arizona and a teacher from Chicago who was like mm. their their social studies textbooks in parts of Chicago still have the USSR. Oh my goodness. I mean, so these are like thirty plus year old textbooks. Right. And they're just like, you know, we the misconception you know, and granted, we, we do, I believe 100% that teachers should be paid more money. Like, there's no getting oh, around yeah. that. Yeah. But I wish people knew, like, as you say, those higher-ups, that it's not just about that. It's it's about resources and, you know, teachers mm-hmm. who don't have these things. And, and I've, I think the thing I've had the toughest time in the last few weeks was when a court in Michigan ruled that literacy is not a right for kids. Yeah, that's...
1: I mean, you can't even uh, right. You that just that just kind of sums it up, like where that this disconnect is between us here in the real world and then higher ups who are making these decisions who would say something
0: like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and I think you know to your point about teachers really rising up and especially using social media. I remember in the it might have been, you know, kind of right around the new year or late in the fall when. The secretary of education posted something on either Twitter or Instagram about America's classrooms, and yes. ins- and instantly, teachers found that it was a stock photo. It wasn't even a photo yep. of a real classroom, and I, I I don't even know how many teachers I followed on Instagram that were like, coming right back at her and tagging yeah. her Hashtag and everything. More than a stock photo. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I mean, I, I really feel like that's the difference because I know in early in my career and I grew up in Wisconsin, but I taught uh, primarily in Houston, Texas, where, you know, at the time when I moved to Houston, I made probably $15,000 more than I would have in Wisconsin, you know, and, and moving back home to be closer to my family, I took like a $10,000 pay cut to come home.
1: That's crazy.
0: And, and I just, I feel like so so often it's, you know, for me, I just look at the the monetary value, and it breaks my heart that so many teachers have to work two and three jobs, to just or leave the classroom altogether or, or do that too. How many how many good teachers do we lose because of because of that? So, you know, I but but I like you said. I, th- I think it's really – we're on the uptick because I do, I do think the teacher voice is getting out there way more. And there are a lot more people who are not just willing but in really articulate and really intelligent ways, you know, speaking the truth about what education is.
1: Yeah, and I think um, a positive thing about social media too is that it's really helping teachers come together and, and share that voice. And, and speak up like when someone's using a stock photo for a classroom or, you know, literacy is not a right. And social media is really helping us come together and rise up and say, you know, hey, this is ridiculous and call attention to these issues so that hopefully voters can make informed decisions and get some of these people who are making these decisions out of office because this, you need to have people who, who are going to support education. I mean, this is our future and if we stuck with what we were given right now, what is our country going to look like in 20 years when these kids are adults? Yeah. So I love that how teachers are using social media to come together, collaborate, you know, share things. It's it's almost like a new era in teaching, I feel like, with this awesome collaboration we have around the entire world
0: right. um,
1: because of what social media has allowed us to do.
0: Yeah, you know, and... and... And it's, I suppose it's easy for us to look back at our time when we were in school. And, but it it just seems like there's a lot more kids uh, and a lot more parents who are really disenfranchised with education. And what I worry about is like if these kids are so, you know, disenfranchised or disengaged in school and they're, you know, in elementary school, middle school, high school, you know, by the time they have kids who are, like you said, in, in 15 to 20 years that are school age, like, what lessons are they going to pass down to their kids about school? Yes. It's, you know, I, I think kids who don't like school, maybe I'm jumping to conclusions, but probably have don't really have anyone in their life that has shown them the value of school, or they don't have people in their life that, you know, had a good, good school experience. I mean, I was lucky I had parents who both had a good school experience.
1: So I'll say that my parents were extremely supportive of education and always backed up my teachers. Um... Because I, I was that kid that really didn't like school and didn't want to go. But it, it wasn't um, for lack of family support. I think it was just the types, sometimes the types of things we were doing in school just didn't appeal to me.
0: Right.
1: Um, which is, I think, why now as a teacher, I'm, I'm so into giving my students choice on what they do in the classroom. Um, so it's not always that I think a lot of times it is but I know for me in particular that was not the case and I've I've definitely had students where the parents were like I don't know what this is about you know why Johnny is so not interested in what's going on so I think that there's probably a lot of factors but family support is definitely key that's that's really that relationship between home and school
0: is crucial right and you know, we, we connected, it must have been a month or so ago, when, when Wilkie posted that picture of the cassette tape with, you know, with the caption of, you know, how are we teaching kids, you know, the same way we did 20 years ago. So, you know, you, you talk about giving kids choice. So, o- over your career, how, how have you seen things change in the classroom, you know, with, with your technology, especially with the, you know, the kind of onset of all the technology?
1: It's such an exciting time to teach, really, because when I started, my first couple years, I was going home covered in marker from the overhead projector. (laughs) Um, I mean, covered. (laughs) And that was was the technology, was an overhead projector and maybe a cassette player. This makes me sound like a dinosaur. This was just 2006, so it wasn't really that long ago. Um, And then... You know, we had a mobile lab that was available to the students, and then we had a computer lab. So, you know, I started with really small things in the classroom, like giving my students games to play on the computer, I found was a great way for them to practice math. They're more likely to play a math game that's going to drill them on their multiplication facts than do a worksheet, of course, because a game is more exciting. They get that instant feedback. There were so many benefits. So as more and more technology became available, and I'm I'm kind of a technology hog in that I really want it all. In my classroom, I want my students to have everything, and I want to use all of the things. Um, so, for me and my students, finding ways to, you know, use technology not just as a gimmick or something that's going to get you interested, although that those are positive things, you know, technology gives us teachers an opportunity to really transform our instruction. Students can you know have greater access to information. I can look up almost any question I have and find the answer right away. Right. So, if I don't need to answer your basic questions because you can find those answers, then we can do different things with technology. We can access primary sources. You know, we were learning about Lewis and Clark and you know, we just pulled up the the actual list that one of them had written like all of the things they took on the journey and how they used them. You know, there was an interactive Google Map that showed us how they traveled and we could stop and see the places and see the landscape. So the students can really immerse themselves in topics in a way that I, I don't personally find a lot of value in textbooks. I mean there there's some for sure, but in a way that a textbook is just not going to be able to do for you. Or if you're the student that you know reading's not necessarily your strength or something that, that really helps get that information into you. We can look at the topic in so many different ways something is going to click with you, something's going to appeal, and then when you see the students like, oh my gosh, look at these, you know, look at this river they had to cross, or look how huge these, you know, animals were, or, look at the woods, and they were sleeping here at night, it must have been so scary, they can really immerse themselves and really understand things in a different way, I think, than they than they could in the past.
0: Right, so you know, you were talking about, and I know you mean it in a nice way, being kind of a technology hog. So I know the different types of technology can give kids choice, but say you have more limited um, technology access, how can you still give kids choice?
1: Oh, man. That's a tricky one. I don't, see, once I knew I needed something, I'm the person that's going to get it. So I've done like GoFundmes and Donors Choose to get things that I want for my classroom. Um, I think that you you have to be really creative in how you do things. But giving students options in how they present their learning, like everyone doesn't need to write an essay. I mean, you need to be able to write an essay, but um, you know, if we're learning about Lewis and Clark, maybe you want to create um, a photo collage of places that they went, and I'm really just like thinking off, I'm I'm going off the cuff here, Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, just, I think that it's really, it's important to give students choice in how they show you their learning, or what I say to my students is, okay, prove, prove that you learned, show me that I need to see that you've learned, I can't look in your head, I can't know what your knowledge is, you need to show me, Um, and giving students an option in how they show that learning really impacts how they will attack the learning
0: Right, I think that's that's really well said, and 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 I know just from my past experience, um, and I'd be interested to hear this from you, because I, I don't know a ton about the Maryland system, but um, do you get a lot of pushback? You know, because a lot of education is, you know, we we want our kids to show us different ways of learning, but ultimately most of our kids are going to be judged by the standardized assessment. So do you get? a lot of pushback as a teacher who's going to go out and say, like, I, I don't care how you show me. I just want me to, sh- I just want you to show me that, you know,
1: I don't, um, I've been really fortunate to have, um, my past three principals have been very forward thinking, very supportive, um, encouraging, and even kind of pushing me sometimes to, to do things differently. So I have not had that pushback. And I think that if teachers are having that pushback, it's important to just be able to demonstrate that your students are learning. I don't put a lot of value on standardized tests. Sorry, I just don't. Um, You know, we have to take the test. This is a necessary evil, but we're going to take the test and then we're going to go back to our learning. And, you know, we're going to learn what's on the test and my students are going to do fine. But that's not um, my focus. And luckily, I have principals that have been supportive of that. Um, But for teachers who are having that problem, I think that just, you know, really showing your administration how much more engaged. and, And honestly, I don't think you have to show them. They're going to see because it's so... It just really transforms the classroom. And I'm like, I'm, now I'm talking about it. I'm, I'm missing my kids and I'm missing my classroom. I want to get back in there. Um, you know, when you see them collaborating on something and working together and teaching each other, it's so exciting. You know, these are nine-year-olds that are showing each other videos and finding things and they're all hyped up about American history. It, it, when you make these changes, the changes kind of sell themselves, I think.
0: Right. So, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, obviously the challenge in integrating technology to some degree and in some places is access to it. But what are some of the other challenges you've seen um, trying to help teachers be uh, to integrate technology? I
1: think um, a lot of times teachers are scared because they don't want to look like they can't do something in front of their students. So I think there's a lot of fear around that. Um, I think also we're so used, especially if you've been teaching a long time, like when I started teaching, the expectation was you were the teacher, you knew everything, and you were here to tell the students all that you know. And I think with this, the shift that we've seen in the past maybe five years, it's more of, you know, kind of facilitating students' learning and not telling them that you know everything, but discovering things together. Um, It's uncomfortable for teachers to tell students. At first, it's uncomfortable. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, I don't know. Let's look that up together. Or I don't know. How could we find out? Um, so I think getting over that fear first is a big deal. And then, um, you know, just just generally concerns that I have with technology in my classroom is that there's so much information, filtering it out for what's appropriate to what you're doing. And then, of course, student safety and, and Internet citizenship would definitely need to be explicitly taught to students because they look when they're not in your classroom they're using this stuff so you might as well teach them to use it the right way it's kind of how I think about it so I think number one is getting over the fear and then number two making sure that you're using technology in appropriate ways you know making sure that students are safe and making sure that they're using it appropriately
0: yeah I mean I think you know, it's I think was different too when you've been talking about you know the last five years with technology and those things coming more. And I think you know it probably could be explained as now the teachers that are coming into the profession the last few years are are digital natives, like they've grown up yes. with all of the technology. And I and I do I because I've had this moment where you know I had an opportunity where the kids could have taught me something about technology, but I was too stubborn.
1: No, let them do it.
0: You know, it's and, so good for them and, and it's so good for you. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it 100% is. And I just really feel like the more, it, I think, like you said, any chance that you can be open and let the kids teach you something, even if you already know, like I don't know how many great teachers I had or I've seen that are just like they fake like they don't know, mm-hmm. just to give the kids the opportunity to, to do more. Right. Um,
1: Or I'll just say, you need to figure that out yourself. Yeah. And at first the kids hate that. They do not like that because this is not what their educational experience has been. So when, you know, they've asked the teacher and the teachers answered them and they're like, okay. Then they ask me and I'm like, you're going to have to figure that out. And they, they get mad. Like we have, we definitely have some growing pains at the beginning of the school year when they find out I'm not going to answer their questions because you're here to do the work. I'm I'm here to help you out, but you guys are going to do the work. They don't like it, but then by the end of the year, they they're not even asking me anymore. They're just coming over to show me what they figured out on their own. So that's really cool. You got it. You got to just put aside your pride and just let it happen.
0: Right. So, you know, we, we talked about how technology can increase your not not can does increase student learning in those, but what do you see as the the long term benefit well? as well, um, in terms of the skills that students gain by using technology, you know, kind of as it relates to them someday going out into the workforce?
1: I tell my students, I'm preparing you for jobs that don't exist yet. And it's true. I mean, look how many, uh, uh, the jobs that people have now, social media manager, no one, when I was in school, said when they grew up, they wanted to be a social media director. That was, it wasn't a thing. So we have careers that are constantly being created because of these changes. So we need students to know how to use technology in responsible, meaningful, collaborative ways. Because, you know, what they're, what they're using in 20 years is not going to be Chromebooks. Like, who knows what it's going to be? But we have a foundation here where we know how to use these tools. We know how to access information. We know how to use them in meaningful ways. So that when they get to college, when they go out into the workforce, they're prepared for these jobs that have not, that aren't even a thing yet. It's so exciting that I, I, it just makes me really excited to think like, what are my students going to be? I don't know. It doesn't, it's not a thing yet. Um, You know, like when I think about teaching, if you had told me I was going to be a teacher, I would have laughed at you. And then if you had shown me the kinds of things I would be doing as a teacher, it would have totally blown my mind, because things have just changed so much, and being open to that um, has has just really benefited me and my students.
0: I'm trying to think of the right way to ask this question, but I'm going to kind of stumble through (laughs) it. So, you know, we're talking about jobs and careers and technology, and, and maybe it's a misconception, but you know, I hear a lot of kids, almost as many kids now are saying that they're going to be a YouTube star as they are saying they're going to be a professional athlete. So I think the question I have is how do we help them see, you know, more of the, the, the career options and job options and, and not even just directly in technology, but the skills they need to go into really any job at this point. Cause there are very few jobs in this world that don't at least have some degree of technology right? integrated. So how do we help them, you know, I guess for lack of a better way to say it, not just see the skills of being a YouTube star, but really, you know, see how they're building skills that would help them really in any job?
1: Well, you know, if you're a YouTube star, you still need to be able to be an effective communicator. And... If you are, I mean, I have the same, I have kids that want to be YouTube stars, video game designers, football players, soccer players. I mean, most likely these aren't going to be their careers. I, I'm not going to have 50 former students that are professional football players. That would be very exciting, and I hope that if that happens, they all remember Mrs. Rasler, but that's not going to happen. But, you know, I'm not here to crush your dreams. I'm not going to be the one to tell you that is not going to happen for you because it could. I have no business telling you that. But what I am going to do is to be very careful and um, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? Um, very intentional in showing you different careers. I'm going to show you how marine biologists that are female, African-American, marine biologists use technology to, um, you know, track tides in the ocean. I, don't, I think marine biologists do that. The marine biologists mm-hmm. we've learned about were studying tropical fish. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, how not necessarily telling you, you know, no, you're not going to be a YouTube star. Look at this scientist. You're going to do this. But just showing it because hopefully I'm planting a seed. Um, yeah. At the beginning of the school year, I asked my students, what does a scientist look like? What do scientists look like? And 90% of the time, they describe Albert Einstein. So I spend the school year showing them scientists that are not old men with white hair. You know, many people are scientists. Scientists do all kinds of different things. Um, Math is used all kinds of different ways. Look at the different ways that, you know, social studies comes into play later on. So showing them, not, not necessarily telling them, like, look. You're not going to be a YouTube star, but okay, YouTube, oh, YouTube, okay, well, you know, learn about this and then make a Flipgrid video for me, Um, you know, because you're going to need to know how to talk to a camera, so here's some practice. So I guess kind of approaching it in that your, your thoughts are valid, your desire to be a YouTube star or a video game designer is valid. But you know you're going to need some skills to do that too. Just like I tell my kids that want to be football players. All right, well you got to get into a D one school. You're going to need to have good grades. So let's you know let's focus on this. But showing them, I guess, giving them options and showing them what all is available because you never know what's going to click.
0: Right. Um. So, I read on your Instagram, or maybe it was when we were talking that you teach in in a one to one classroom. Is that correct? I do. Yes. So I, I guess I've got kind of a two-pronged question because I've never been in a classroom that was one-to-one. So my first question is, you know, what are really, you know, the benefits of that, but also to how do you how do you strive to to keep the kids connected cuz I think I have the misconception that when you're in a one-to-one classroom it's just the kid sits and does everything on their one computer and, you know, they're they're not really engaging with other people. So Oh my um, goodness. How do you? You need to come visit my classroom. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So, so I guess just kind of wrap all of what I set up into, you know, some type of answer and take it, how, take it whichever direction you want.
1: Okay. So, my classroom is loud and noisy and there's movement and my kids are all over the place because they're excited about what we're doing. Um, I encourage talking. So, Very rarely is it a no-talking time in my classroom. Um, So as students, and and very rarely are students doing any independent work. Almost everything we do is collaborative because everyone has something to offer. And, um, you know, you think about, like, your GT kids, like, oh, they are going to be the ones that lead the group projects. But you know what? No, not necessarily because you might have one kid that's really good with laying out a presentation and then you have another kid that's really good at presenting and then you have another kid who's really good at doing meaningful research and then they bring all this together but they don't just, it's really interesting to, to watch how they work and it's really my favorite part of my job is to just kind of stand back and watch things happen because you see how they, they come together And they aren't just like, okay, well, you're good at research, so you do the research. But the person who's good at the research will kind of take the lead, but they show other people what to do. So then, and it kind of, I I really think about my classroom as like a ripple effect all the time. But then you stand back and you watch like one group of kids go show another group of kids something that they've learned or something that they found. And then it just spreads through the classroom in like 30 minutes everyone has now the same knowledge that one person figured out or one person found. So that goes back to teachers being comfortable and it's scary being comfortable with changing things, you know, not students sitting in rows silently working, but making collaborative spaces where they can sit together and work together and talk to each other and show each other things. So we. There's a lot of collaborative work. So I think that kind of speaks to the point of students just sitting with devices not talking because that's just not, it's not ever looked like that in my classroom. Some days, I'll be honest, some days I wish it did, but it doesn't look like that. It's very noisy and exciting and and loud. Um, The benefits of a one-to-one classroom is I, I, I really feel like it goes back to the access. There's so much that students can access. You know, we can read in an outdated science book about what astronauts do in space. Or you can go on YouTube and watch videos about astronaut life that the astronauts themselves have actually created. We can watch a live feed of what's going on in the International Space Station. And I do that when we do our space unit. I have a live feed going up where they can watch the astronauts working in the lab while the students are, you know, working on research about the inner rocky planets or someone else is learning about, you know, how different the water recycling on the international space station works. So there's so much that students can access that we never could teach like this before, which also kind of goes back to a challenge is that there's so much information and finding what's going to be meaningful for students can be a little bit of a challenge. And then also thinking about making connections with the students I feel like the technology frees me up where I can go and have those meaningful conversations with students. Um, My students have devices, but I'm still at the front door of my classroom every morning greeting them as they come in. And while they're working, I'm walking around, sitting with them, talking to them about what they're learning. You know, they have stuff that they're excited to tell me. So those relationships still form, but you really, as a teacher, have to kind of break the mold of what... A classroom, and I'm doing like finger quotes, should look like because it's going to look very different from, you know, honestly, what I learned in, in college in my undergrad courses however many years ago because things are changing. We have access to so much, you know, using them in meaningful ways, letting students work together um, is all, I think, a benefit of, of what it can do.
0: Yeah, and, and I just think back to, you know, what you said about letting, letting go, of, you know, cause I, let's see, I graduated, I graduated high school, high school in 03 and I was done with college in 08. But at that time, you know, technology was just kind of blossoming. Like, I was in the first wave of people that ever had Facebook when Facebook was still just It was on, only open to college students. Yeah, only open to college <laughs> students, you know. And, and when they opened it up to everybody, we were all like, oh, this is the dumbest thing ever. I can't believe they're doing this. But uh-huh. I still had that mentality, especially starting my career. And, and there are times even, you know, this in the last few years where it creeps up on you where you feel like you're the authority figure. And, and someone who's an authority figure is not going to relinquish, like you said, um, kind of some of that control over what happens in the classroom and, and do that. But I think it's so valuable and I really, you know, I was the next question I was going to ask you, but you kind of opened up on it is allowing them to have that comfortable and collaborative, you know, space within the room because, you know, to, you know, and and that's why I wanted to ask the question because I had this misconception about a you know what a one to one classroom would look like, and maybe it's just because when I was in school, like when we went to the computer lab, you sat at your computer, and you did your own work. It wasn't really a collaborative, you know, venture. But how how do those learning space, spaces help you create that classroom culture that you you're looking for?
1: So I think. You know, when we have spaces in the classroom that are made for collaboration, collaboration is going to happen. Um, I noticed that my students like laying on the floor and getting in little confined spaces like between a filing cabinet and a desk, which is not how I would ever choose to work. But if my students are asking for something, I feel like if it's reasonable, I need to provide them with that. And all those students aren't coming right out and saying, hey, Mrs. Razzler, can we have pillows so that laying on the floor is more comfortable? Or, hey, Mrs. Razzler, can we come over and sit at this table so that we can all work together? You know, when they're laying on the floor, when they're finding those little spaces to sit in, they are asking me for that. So for me to then provide those spaces for them you know, where they can all sit together if they need to be by themselves and squish themselves on a little tiny corner or, you know, sprawl out taking over an entire corner of a classroom with a computer and poster board and scissors and I don't even know, like, it's amazing what they set up for themselves. But when you make those spaces for them, collaboration just, I feel like it just kind of naturally happens and you do need to encourage it, you know. They come in and they don't, they're afraid to talk to each other and they're looking at me like, you know, you are going to call my mom if I'm talking? And I'm like, please talk to each other as you do this. Talk to your neighbor. Talk to the person over here. Um, so when you give them those spaces, and, and you know, I'm a, I really like flexible seating with some structure. You know, my, my students have to earn it, and they can lose it. Um, right. You know, when you, when you have those things built in for students, it really helps to support what your goals are in the classroom.
0: Right. And I think that's, you know, kind of the thing, you know, with with any kind of culture. Whatever culture you really set out to create, you know, you'll create it. And yes. it's, you know, whether your kids want to create it or not. I mean, obviously, like, someone else could try to set out to do what you do. But if it's not the right fit for that person or... It's not going to work. Yeah, they're not committed. It's yeah. not going to work, so... But yeah, I mean. That's... And then
1: there's other things that other teachers are going to do, and I look at it, and I think, oh, wow, that's so cool. Like, a, a great example for me is classroom transformations, which are, you know, that's a big thing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think it looks really cool, and I like looking at it in other people's classrooms, but that is not something that I can see myself doing. But I completely respect another educator's choice, and I appreciate their effort, and I, I see the benefit that it brings in. But I think with all of these things as teachers, we need to find what's going to work for us. Um, You know, using, you know, it's not going to work for everyone to have kids laying all over the floor. And, Mm -hmm. you know, pillows don't belong in every classroom if the teachers aren't comfortable with that. But, you know, finding ways to really encourage that the culture that you want to have in your classroom in a way that's comfortable. mm, I don't even want to say comfortable for the teacher because it's not always comfortable as I'm thinking about it. Like giving giving up that sage on the stage instead of the guide on the side is uncomfortable, but growth is uncomfortable. Right. You know, you don't, the caterpillar doesn't just wake up one day and it's a butterfly. Like there's, there's a process and the process can be uncomfortable, but it can also be really exciting. Right. Um, but you definitely have to find what's going to work for you.
0: Awesome. All right. So to, to kind of wrap a a bow on the conversation, I'm asking you a few more questions and you can answer these either based on your teaching or just general in life. So, Okay. um, what was the best advice you've ever been given?
1: I can't think of just one person, like one person's advice, but I have, I have some really supportive people in my life who, um, really push me and encourage me to try new things. Um, you know, some of them are teachers, some of them are family members, but, uh, I kind of put myself out there and you know, as you can hear, my classroom is not traditional, and that, that was a jump for me, so having people that are supportive, I have, I have one girlfriend who, whenever I tell her something I've done, she's like, yes, you beautiful queen, I mean, every single time I tell her, she's like, you beautiful queen, you're so amazing, so just, like, encouragement from people, um, and anyone who, you know, have just said, you know, just be yourself, you know, just, just be Bonnie, just be yourself, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be that, um, you know, suited up, skirted teacher that's standing up at the front with the book. Um, you know, just people encouraging me to be myself has been um has been has been the most I guess that's advice. Is that advice be yourself? Yeah, it yeah, is. So that absolutely. would be my best advice.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing with it too, you know, Wilkie and I were working on a, a new teacher or kind of a novice teacher mentoring program that we're gonna do online this year and Um, some friends have, we've been just talking with some friends to just kind of wrap our head around it. And I think if we could teach new teachers or novice teachers, one thing, if we could teach them that it's okay to be who you are. Yes. I think we would be doing really, really well because, you know, when you or me or, or any teacher really is comfortable and okay with who they are as a person, they feel good about that. They'll transfer that to their kids. Yeah, and
1: I work, sorry, kind of on that point, but I have, um, I work with the University of Maryland with their senior um, te- education major. So they, the teachers, pre-service teachers come to me in August and they're with me through the entire school year. And I'm like, look, you're not me and I don't expect your teaching to look like me. Take what I do that you think will work for you and try it but I don't I'm not building another Mrs. Razzler you know I'm building a Mr. Stewart I'm building a Miss Weber I'm building a Miss Tarabici I'm throwing out names of my my mm-hmm. former student teachers um, you know take what works from me but put your own spin on it and um, I'm going to talk. I'm going to specifically talk about Mr. Stewart, who was my my uh, my intern last year, and he's going to be my coworker next year. He was hired at my school. I'm so excited. We are extremely opposite in that I'm very loud and outgoing, and you're going to know everything about me within five minutes of knowing me. And he's very quiet and reserved. And I was like, "Look, your teaching's not going to look like mine. You have to do what works for you." Um, and that's so true. I think for new teachers, you know, don't copy what you've seen but take things that you see and put your own spin on it um because when you're authentic you're going to find the most success
0: right yeah and I think that's the key word that um you said right there is authentic because I I know you know when I started in 2008 it was just go find a teacher whose stuff is working and copy what they do and, or,
1: here's a script. I actually had scripted lesson plans my first couple years, which is crazy.
0: You know, and and I was young and naive, and I didn't know, and I tried to do that. And it took me probably two or three years to really be like, you know what? I've tried to do this interactive notebook and interactive binder this way all the time, and it just doesn't work for me. Right. You know, so trying to trying to break that mold and, and, and do that, I think, is... Is really important. I agree. Alright. So, if there was one thing you wish parents knew about teaching, what would it be?
1: Uh, We care so much. We care so much. About your kid. About you. About your kid's success. Uh, We really care. And we're just trying to do what's best.
0: Nice. Okay, the... And we're expanding this question because we realize, and I should have known this, because I don't read books. I listen to books and podcasts. So what's okay. either the, the best book you've read, you've listened to, or a podcast, or, or something that you know has really made a difference for you in the last year? Okay. So for book,
1: I would say um, Teach Like a Pirate. Um, and engagement is such a buzzword right now, but I think it is something that teachers need to be mindful of. His ideas and the way he discussed teacher creativity really made me think about pushing myself in lesson design. And like I said, the classroom um, transformations and like the, the role playing stuff is not not me, but I can still take those concepts and and apply them in a in a Mrs. Razzler way to my classroom. As far as podcasts, I love yours. Of course, the LED project. Um,
0: Thank you.
1: You know, Casey Bell and Matt Miller's Shake up Learning gives me great ideas. Anything Alice that comes out of Alice Keeler's mouth gives me ideas and inspiration. So, um, I think, like I said, this is such an exciting time because there's so much happening in education right now and teachers are really sharing what they're doing in the classroom and, um, there's just so much. It's so exciting. Like it was like when Pinterest started and I was like, Oh man, if I'd had Pinterest when I was doing teaching, this would have been great. But now it's like, it's even better than Pinterest because this is stuff that teachers are doing. And you can talk to the teacher about what they did and how it worked and being able to interact with an author. Like I, I've tweeted with Dave Burgess about things that he wrote in his book. And I've, you know, tweeted with Alice and I've tweeted with Casey and, you know, having the ability to do that is just, oh, it's so exciting. What an exciting time.
0: Well, you know, and, and to say it too, and we've said this a billion times in the podcast, you know, we first started just going to friends that we knew, but, you know, just starting in 2018, I'm like, I'm just going to go on Instagram and reach out to people. And our community has been so willing and, and so accepting and so welcoming of, of being on our podcast. I mean, that's, that's primarily primarily where we've gotten everybody from. Yeah, because if
1: you have something that's working in your classroom you want to share, and then if yeah. someone has something in their classroom that's working, you want to hear about it. Right. So there there's just a lot of back and forth and I just I think it's fabulous.
0: Yeah, and I was talking talking with a a teacher yesterday and she talked about how much of a difference just the Instagram story feature has made. Um she she felt like it's allowed teachers to be a lot more open, Um, you know, because when you're telling your, you know, you're, you're doing the story, it's not just that polished, you know, picture with a caption that you put out and and not saying that. And a nice
1: filter.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's more authentic to the real experience. I think that's, that's been a really cool feature. Yeah,
1: I love going up behind my students when they're working and just, you know, taking like a little video of something they're doing or capturing a little bit of a student discussion um, Mm -hmm. to share because their discussions are so, it's just so exciting and cool and you want to share it with people and I agree that the, the stories have really given a great peek into classrooms all around the world.
0: Right. All right, so what's your proudest accomplishment to date?
1: Oh, that's so tricky. Like, I should say, my kids and my family, which, yeah, they're great. Um, but I was a college dropout, and then last year, I earned my master's degree in one year and with a 4.0, so I love, um, I love that I did that.
0: Wow, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. That's
0: so awesome. With two
1: kids, like, I did that, and working full-time, I did that, um, yeah. And you know what? When you do something like that, then when something else is hard, you're like, oh, you know what? If I can do that, I can do this. So um, that right. gave me a lot of confidence going forward yeah. that I am capable and I can do things. I mean, from being a, a community college dropout, that just is exciting. And then, you know, that's why you never want to raise someone off because you never know what's, what's coming
0: up ahead. Right. You know, Wilkie... Uh, Wilkie and I met when I was still teaching in Houston and, you know, he kind of came to me or I, I went to, I moved to his school at a time where I was really down on myself and, you know, he, he was the first person that really recognized that I needed to work on my personal life, that it wasn't necessarily my teaching. Um, you know, but he's, you know, I guess must've been just this past, maybe this past spring or... No, it must have been like 2016. Spring of 2016, he got his master's. And he's like, all right, bro, I'm going to take a break. We'll work on our nonprofit. We'll do the podcast, all that stuff. And then like within two months, he was like, yeah, I'm going to go get my doctorate. So he's yeah. just uh, just killing it. But it's been such a fun journey to, you know, I get to read a lot of his papers and and do those do those kinds of things. And he really, he really enjoys it. Yeah, I
1: think, I don't know, looking ahead, I think about doctorate, I think about national boards, um, but I have, I have two kids that kind of need me right now, so I'm trying to hold off on that for now, but it's, it's hard.
0: Right. <laughs> so if people want to connect with you, I know you said Twitter, I know we've talked about Instagram, where can they find you? So
1: on Twitter, I am at Bonnie Raz. B O N N I E R A Z. And then on Instagram, it's a different handle. It's at hey underscore mrs, M-R-S underscore R A Z. r-a-z Or honestly, just Google me and everything comes up. I'm very Googleable, as my students love to show me. I'm Dude, very isn't Googleable. Isn't it so
0: funny, like how quickly they can find you? Oh my goodness.
1: Uh, yeah, I walked by some that were doing something with Google maps and they had my, um, teen teacher's house up on their screen. Like, stop. That's creepy. Don't look at, just look at your own house. Look, this is where so-and-so lives. I'm like, oh, get get that off your screen. Um, yeah, Yeah. they're, they're funny. They're funny.
0: (laughs) All right. So, um, before I ask your last question, just super appreciative that we uh, were able to do this and you took some time oh, away yeah. from your this from was a your great guys. discussion. Yeah, so we really appreciate it and um, if there's ever anything we can, you know, you ever want to come back on or you want to talk about something, all you got to do is let all us right. know we'd be happy. Thanks for having me. Happy to have Absolutely. you. That. So the last question is what would you like your legacy to be?
1: So, I would love in like 50 years, and I'll have some students that are pretty old, I want one of them to say to their grandkids, be good to your teachers, because your teachers love you, and I want to tell you about a teacher I had named Mrs. Razzler. and I want them to have some story about how I inspired them, or something that they learned, or they just knew that I loved them, Um, you know, not necessarily one bit of knowledge that they took from me, but just You know, that that saying, they're not going to remember what they say, what you say, but they're going to remember how you feel. I just hope that there's a good feeling when they remember their fourth grade time with me.
0: Awesome. Bonnie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Uh, Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun.